Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. tuned in to The Source on Otago Access Radio. During this 10-week series, we will be exploring what processes go into making the city run and what you need to know to be an active citizen. Each week we will be covering a different aspect of civic education, from the different departments in council to how to get your voice heard in local government. Tune in to Otago Access Radio on Fridays at 5pm. This series will also be replayed 12pm Sundays and 6 on Monday evenings. Podcasts are also available from www.oar.org. The source was brought to you by Dunedin Youth Council. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Oscar. And um, we're from the Dunedin Youth Council today to talk about um, policies, laws and bylaws. The Dunedin Youth Council is a really great organisation within Dunedin, of course, um, that helps advocate for youth issues and really act as a bridge between um, community sectors and local government. So we're really excited to be in here to talk to you today. So... I thought um, we'd kick it off today by <laughs> talking about a bylaw about dog control because everyone loves dogs. The internet loves dogs. Dogs are great. Don't you agree, Oscar? I mean, I'm more of a cat person, but dogs aren't all that bad. I mean, cats are... I mean, I, I love cats. I have two cats, but... I can appreciate a good dog. Yeah, we can all appreciate a good dog meme, of course, Um so just some fun facts about this bylaw, really, because it's um, taking into place in 2002 where Virginia City Council decided to create this bylaw in order to give owners some more clarity about, you know, the rights and regulation when it comes to a dog. But first, Oscar, do you want to define to us what a bylaw is? So I believe a bylaw is a law that is put into place by a certain group or organization to kind of um, rule around usually that area, I think. So in this case, I believe that the bylaw is um, Dunedin City Council rather than a you know nationwide law, and so it just affects um, Dunedin, really, or maybe Otago. I'm not sure what this law, a bylaw, defines the area as, but, yeah. That sounds like a great definition. Um, so back to the dog bylaw, which I'm very excited about because, of course... Dogs are great, as we have already mentioned. So some fun facts right, about this dog bylaw. If you just look through it, it's about a 12-page document. I printed it all off. Um, cost me about a dollar worth of printing at my school. Because <laughs> they charge for printing at schools, which is frankly ridiculous. But enough about that. For example, like the owner of any dog must provide a a waterproof kennel of adequate size and on wild drained land or other place of confinement, which may include any dwelling, and b access to clean water and food, and c clean and sanitary conditions. Don't you think that's interesting, Oscar? I mean, interesting in the sense that dog owners should be decent human beings. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really dispute that. You know dog owners should be it should be made sure that dog owners are able to provide for their animals i feel like that's uh you know a pretty um objectively good thing to have in your dog bylaw if you're going to make a dog bylaw in 2002 do you think there's anything else that could be added to you know what owners of any dogs must provide from what has already been laid out well is that just under shelter though 
I feel like in terms of shelter, that is reasonably, um, you know, holistic in terms of uh, sanitary conditions, clean water and food, and where the dog actually stays. Uh, I feel like there's other issues surrounding whether or not owners can provide for their dogs, but in terms of shelter, I believe, that, you know, from the uh, first impression, it seems like an adequate, um, you know, definition of what an owner should provide for any dog in terms of shelter. I agree. It definitely does cover, you know, the basic grounds of dog care, which is, it's excellent to see in a Dunedin um, City Council bylaw to be really um, specific and really looking after our dogs in the Dunedin City area. Um, there's also some other fun facts about, you know, for example, um, like when dogs have to be on leashes, like, for example, in golf courses and cemeteries, these are really important areas for bylaw outlines that dogs must be on leashes. Um also, the neutering of dogs, which I think is a fascinating topic myself, um, the council may require the owner of any dog, being a dog that on a number of occasions has not been kept under control, to have a dog neutered or sprayed, um, whether or not the owner of a dog has been commit- convicted of an offence against Section 53 of the Act. Um, what, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this? Uh, if a certain dog is being... Um a general threat to uh, Dunedin's security surrounding dogs. I feel like it's, um, you know, totally justified to neuter that dog to ensure that maybe any kind of um, similar characteristics can be passed on to another one of those, um, you know, dogs' offspring. But doesn't it come into question in terms of especially bylaws and laws and policies about how far the Dunedin City Council can step in terms of, um, you know, restricting someone's rights and... Um, to do what they please. Right, but at the same time, there's a balance between where we can exercise our own control over our lives and then where that control that we exercise over our own lives impedes on the lives of others, right? So, I mean, I have a, you know, a right to privacy, but if I'm suspected of, say, I don't know, financial fraud, the government will investigate me, right? So I feel like at the point in time that you own a dog that has been um, very, uh, I don't know... Um, generally unsafe uh, then there is a line that um, can be crossed in that sense and that dog can be sprayed or neutered. It's not necessarily um, going as far as, I don't know, like putting the dog down but it's ensuring that that doesn't, that behaviour doesn't continue over the next generations of those um, you know, dogs as offspring. So I feel like it's justified in that case. Thank you for that excellent response Oscar. No um, another fun fact for you, uh, just looking under this bylaw, um Dogs weighing more than eight kilograms may not be allowed inside the boundaries of any small dog park. <laughs> now, you know, should we not be allowed, you know, dogs, maybe if it is nine kilograms to be allowed within a small dog park? Don't you think this is a bit unfair, potentially? Oh, I, don't, I don't know if dog fat shaming is a thing, <laughs> but what I can tell you is that my... You know, common sense tells me there's a very good reason why there's a nine kilogram limit. And it's probably to stop um, little dogs being um, in an environment with bigger dogs. So I feel like that was not necessarily an arbitrary, an arbitrary judgment, and it was, you know, decided because uh, anything under nine kilograms is a small dog, and anything over ten or nine, anything over nine kilograms is a big dog. So maybe they'd rather have big dog parks and small dog parks to avoid, um, I don't know, some kind of. Um, uh, conflict between big dogs and small dogs? But I'm not sure. Aren't we against segregation as a society? <laughs> don't we want dog mixing, perhaps? I don't know how uh, small dogs and big dogs um, 
would benefit from being able to mix with each other, I feel like it's just a... Although maybe it's different breeds tend to be bigger and different breeds tend to be smaller. So maybe um, maybe there is something there about integration, although I th- feel like that it's very, very unlikely. I just think if we look back from history, we can really, you know, see us becoming a more inclusive society. And frankly, we still have these outrageous things permitted in our bylaws today that segregate these dogs. I think it suddenly has to be something like maybe comes under review. Right. Um, segregation of small dogs setting a precedent for segregation of far more egregious um, circumstances, I suppose. I could see that potentially as an <laughs> issue, but then again... I mean, I think the lesson to be learned here is that perhaps maybe our bylaws aren't perfect, and these are, you know, what's really important with the upcoming um, city council elections, of course, is to bring these questions to the candidates that are standing and to really, like, petition them. Right, so I suppose if you ever have a problem with bylaws or laws in general, I mean, that's your opportunity to go and dispute that. Caroline, are you um, specifically going to dispute uh, whether there should be small dog parks and large dog parks? Do you feel invested enough in this uh, issue to pursue it further? Because you could. I think as a citizen of Dunedin, I think that um, I speak not only for myself but others around me when I say I think this is an area that needs to be explored about whether you know it's rightfully to be put in a bylaw. And I think that these are really important questions that I myself will be bringing to this debate when it comes up to the election time as it is nearing us um, getting sooner and sooner as I um, note there's also an interesting bylaw here the owner of any dog in a public place must carry and display a bag or other receptacle suitable for removal of feces um, the only owner of any dog that defiscates in a public place on land or premises other than that accompanied by the owner must immediately remove the feces um, where a public litter bin or similar receptacle is used to dispose of the feces they must suitably wrap or contain to prevent fouling of a receptacle do you agree with these what's any i don't think there's anything to disagree with in the sense that i'm sure i can speak for most of the general population when i say that i prefer my parks and other public areas not covered in dog feces and so i guess one way to prevent that is to in fact place the responsibility on the one person which is best equipped to deal with said dog feces which uh is their owner so i feel like uh that's generally a good lord's <laughs> common sense i i would expect that to be in a dog bylaw actually so i'm not at all surprised at it but i think by um question what I want to ask you is, I mean, because of course Dunedin right now, we have, you know, we do have a problem with dog feces, with owners not properly, you know, um, removing them from places like beaches or streets, and so even though it's listed under the bylaw, I guess the question is, you know, is this actually doing anything to help the situation? Just having this written on a piece of paper that, frankly, well, no one reads unless well, you Google exactly. it. Well, exactly. I mean, I guess in order to be fully aware of your responsibilities as, say, a dog owner in this case, you'd have to know the ins and outs of the bylaw. And considering that it is a 12-page document that is only found online, maybe it, uh, it would be more um, beneficial for the general populace if there was some kind of more accessible... Uh, maybe um, summarised version of the dog bylaw, and I'm sure there is in some um, places, but maybe if dog owners would be made, you know, um, able to very quickly become aware of their legal obligations as a dog owner. But at the same time, um, I feel like in this specific case, a lot of it's widely known that um, you are legally required to pick up uh, dog feces after your dog does defecate. Um, when you're out and about with your dog. So I feel like it would just be a general issue of enforcement rather than 
um, knowledge um, and I feel like there's not really an information gap and it's more owners feeling like they uh, can get away with it, uh, maybe you know they just don't care enough or maybe there's no strict punishment that's uh, enforced um, regularly so it would probably be more of an issue of enforcement rather than a knowledge gap in this case I would guess. Thank you for that. Now I think um, we all like um, as a previous dog owner myself, I mean, I think we all know there's a lot of, like, costs associated with owning a dog, right? And even, like, you know, small things can add up, whether, you know, it's those plastic bags or perhaps it's even something as simple as a leash, as outlined in this bylaw that dog owners must carry a leash with them at all times. You know, to what extent do you think that the council can impose these kind of, like, added costs on to owning a dog? Uh, well, there are many costs there put in place to make sure that people are invested enough in a dog, um, I'm not sure how large these costs are, but there is registration fees, etc. In terms of locking out a certain group of people from accessing a dog res- and owning a dog responsibly due to their financial situation, there is probably um, some potential to have some kind of communal dog supplies. However, I'm not sure that would be leashes, but even things like, um, say, uh, dog poop bags in public areas. Uh, things like that could be implemented. I'm not sure how much of a cost barrier it is, but if there is a cost barrier, it's uh, likely a lot of that is to ensure that people are invested enough to um, live up to their obligations. But is this unfair on lower socioeconomic groups? I would really love to own a dog, but perhaps, you know, might be um, put off or restricted because of these bylaws in place. Well, I imagine that there is... um, measures in place to ensure that you can prove your... uh, dedication as a dog owner without strictly paying fees, although some fees would be necessary to own a dog. So those would be fees that aren't um, just testing whether or not you're prepared to own a dog in terms of paying money uh, and having a stake in the ownership of that dog, but rather um, things like, uh, you know, vet fees, etc., that do come with owning a dog that aren't really avoidable. So um, I don't know if you can take the burden completely um, and just uh, you know disregard all fees and just give dogs freely away but what you probably could do is put more measures in place or improve measures in place to assist those that aren't as financially able to uh, go through these hoops to own a dog financially wise and provide for them Um, so you know maybe if the people that would love to own a dog and can prove it um, and would be responsible dog owners but can't um, supply that cash could get um, you know, specific programs targeted at them to help them own dogs. I think that's a really important issue in our society that we really need to address more of. Now, um, just looking at this bylaw again, because frankly, you know, it is a fascinating bylaw, 12 whole pages of just pure, like, as a dog fanatic, I am quite intrigued and excited by reading this. Um, and so it's here it says about female dogs in season, right? About how every person that is the owner of any female dog in season must to keep at all times keep that dog confined so it does not enter or remain on any place except the premises owned by the owner. And that any female dog in season must be adequately exercised only in private land occupied by the owner of the dog or other private land within the consent of the occupier. Now, don't you think it's quite odd that, you know, the singling out female dogs here like don't you think that in 20 um, 2016 that we've come as a society where to kind of have those you know regulations about female dogs and then male dogs it's a bit you know unfeminist one might say I understand where you're coming from but at the same time I don't see female dogs up in arms protesting 
Um, my guess would be that there is a very good reason why they are specifically targeting female dogs in season and that female dogs behave in a way that male dogs don't and that um, it is necessary to keep them on public prop- uh, private property. Sorry, I mean, that does seem a bit um, restrictive to me, but at the same time, I don't know what a female dog being in season uh, entails and I don't know how that would affect, um, say, public property if they were allowed out. So... Uh, I'd just say that I don't see it as being unfeminist in the sense that they aren't targeting them simply based on their gender, <laughs> but rather targeting them based on how they behave as an animal due to their gender, which I see as slightly more uh, acceptable. You're kind of seeing animals as having more rights than they perhaps should, or more rights than they're able to exercise on. I feel like in terms of animals having a voice, that would be great if they could speak. But seeing as they cannot, I feel like but it's I- more of an issue of what we think is best for the animals, seeing as they're not ever going to be able to consent. But they can express emotion in their like, little puppy eyes. You right. can see sadness and, and happiness. And I'm sure as a responsible dog owner, uh, there comes the obligation to provide emotionally for your dog and to not abuse your dog emotionally. But anything uh, beyond that in terms of appealing to the dog's rational nature and extreme intelligence when discussing with it about whether or not it should be um, you know, kept on private property because it is a female dog in season, I feel like that's a different matter entirely. Thank you for that enlightening comment, Oscar. Um, just again, looking at section um, D of the bylaws, areas where dogs are prohibited, right? Um, and so these areas include the Octagon, the Civic Centre, the Library Plaza, and um, areas such as like King Edward Street. Um, of course, this doesn't apply to dogs such as disability assist dogs or police dogs or like security dogs guard dogs or working dogs but don't you think it's somewhat restrictive to not allow dogs for example in the, in the octagon or civic center this would be coming from a little bit of a biased point of view seeing as i don't own a dog but i feel like if you were a dog owner you wouldn't necessarily need to have your dog on say the octagon when you could have it um somewhere else that didn't impede on people's uh I don't know, general kind of enjoyment of the octagon as much because, I mean, aside from anything else, you want to keep places like the octagon and other very public places clean of dog feces and not have to uh, exercise that upkeep on that area um, more often because of dogs. And it's not necessarily even the best place to have a dog if you are trying to get exercise with your dog or if you are trying to take your dog out for a walk. So I feel like it's reasonably justified in that uh, I myself wouldn't want to see the octagon overrun with dogs, leaving feces everywhere with um, irresponsible owners not picking it up. I feel like that would be an issue. But we allow, for example, you know, humans to like camp on the octagon overnight in terms of protest. We allow, you know, humans to eat and, I mean, they do litter on the octagon. That's true. Would one not say that, you know, at least the Octagon provides like a nice green grass area for dogs that may otherwise live in like, you know, city residential areas that don't have much grass for them to explore? Well, I mean, going back to the female dogs in season, if they were in fact protesting and if they did want to in fact have a, um, you know, protest in kennels on the Octagon, that would be fine. But seeing as I feel like that is far beyond their ability... Um, I'd say that um, dogs are, you know, better suited to being on some kind of park or some kind of um, walk that isn't near such a public place that does have plenty of grass and can provide a nice change of pace for dogs that do, in fact, lead a city 
life or an urbanized life and even if they do want greenery and a bit of you know i mean variety is the spice of life after all um i feel like there are other ways to get that variety and to get that greenery outside of the octagon or king edward street so overall we've looked at a lot of different areas of this um um, by law today, some areas that we agree with and some areas that we disagree with. Um, overall, I mean, what do you think? Has, do you think the council has done a good job in producing this bylaw? Well, it depends. They've, I can't comment really on how well they've um, created the bylaw in the sense that I do not know enough about the ins and outs of um, dog law or the obligations of dog owners in general. But it depends, I suppose, upon if owners of dogs are fully aware of this bylaw, if they are fully aware of what it entails, if they are fully aware of how to um, live up to their obligations as a dog owner. And so I feel like that speaks more to um, bylaws in general and that it's important that people are, are aware of their legal obligations as a needing citizen, whether as a dog owner or as a cat owner or even not as a pet owner, just as um, generally being a citizen, etc. So I feel like... Um, it's, it's only done its job if people are able to live up to these expectations and are able to know of these expectations, which I don't know is, um, if that's completely the case. Mm. So what do you think could, the council could be doing more of in order to you know, ensure that dogs and owners are you know, being looked after and their self, well-being and safety is being protected and upheld? It's probably a matter of um, generally making it very accessible to people to be able to see what they would have to do to be a do- to be a dog owner and what this would mean and that could mean um, maybe letting people have more input into you know um, policy like this dog bylaw I'm not sure how much um, input people are allowed generally um, but even awareness regarding um, discussions about this bylaw or maybe because this happened a long time ago as well so maybe a review of bylaws if people were uh, interested in certain parts of the bylaw because this is, what, 14 years down the track? It's been a while since this was implemented. I'm not sure if there's been many revisions or amendments, but um, just generally letting people have more input and discussion or maybe awareness of ways to have input and discussion, I'd say, would be a good way going forward to address both this dog bylaw and, in general, Dunedin bylaws, I would say. And so going forth into this upcoming council election, how do you think that um, we can engage this discussion and debate within our society that, you know, whether it's discussing dog control bylaws or other bylaws that people may have problems or issues with? Making it more readable for people in a format that is firstly accessible and secondly quick um, because, let's face it, Caroline, the highlight of your day was probably not looking up 12 pages of a dog bylaw from 2002. I think the highlight of my day was looking at some dog memes, which, as you say, are a more quick and summarised form of communication these days. Well, if you find a way to put 12 pages of dog bylaw into a single dog meme, you are a genius, Caroline. (laughs) But um, I would say that making the information in the bylaw or making the bylaw itself more accessible. So maybe having handouts to people that want to be a dog owner regarding this in a more summarised format. I'm not sure how much of this could be condensed, um, but condensing it in a way that even if it doesn't necessarily outline the full legal obligations, it gives owners a pretty good idea or in regarding to any kind of bylaw, uh, I guess just making it um, 
making input accessible for people that don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time on or aren't necessarily invested enough to hunt it down because uh, if you do want to have input into things like bylaws or things like policy um, that requires a substantial amount of effort on your part in both tracking down how to do it and tracking down what it is you want to change so maybe if there were things like uh, engaging people via general meetings surrounding um, I don't know like policy of Indonesian bylaws in general or bylaws that are about to be implemented um, but that being said, I can't say whether or not these things are already in place, but they haven't been entirely successful in that if they are, I do not know about them. So, I mean, probably just awareness if there are things in place or increasing the amount of things that are in place or improving the things that are in place, I'd say, would be uh, ways going forward uh, for this council election, etc., that you would be able to engage people in discussion about bylaws, whether they are about dogs or not. Do you think that it's um, a citizen's responsibility to, you know, educate themselves more, especially in this upcoming election? Or do you think that it's instead the people, you know, the councillors that are on the, and from the Deneen City Council that has that responsibility to instead try to engage with people? Which way is it? Well, there's always going to be some element of apathy and there's always going to be some people that don't want to have input or some people that can't be bothered to have input. But there's also a middle ground of people that would like to have input but don't care enough to really put in hours of their time to get this input. And even if there were people that did have this time on their hands, it would be a very select group of people. And so if you're only letting those people have involvement with things like bylaws, you'd only be getting a very specific view from a very specific part of the population. So generally, I feel like it's the responsibility of the council and other decision-making organisations within Dunedin, especially relating to policy, to make this discussion and to make this debate far more accessible to people than they are, and if not incentivise people, at least make it easy for people to have this input if they want to, because I'd, I'd be willing to wager that there is a, a section of the population that would like to have input but doesn't necessarily know how or doesn't want to spend um, an an inordinate amount of time having this input, and so they would be easily engaged if they were given the opportunity. So I feel like it's not necessarily an issue of making people want to have input, but rather giving people the tools uh, and the options to have this input and to put this input on, on the table. I think those are some excellent words. Thank you, Oscar, for that. Um, so I think just to wrap up, really, I mean, in terms of um, looking at this bylaw today, any last words about how you feel like it is as a complete dog control bylaw? From my very quick sub-30-second scanning of all 12 pages of this <laughs> uh, dog bylaw, I would say that it does cover... Um, everything I would expect to be covered in a dog bylaw. Um, I would say that it would do its job if people followed the bylaw, but uh, at the same time, I have in fact seen multiple dog feces on multiple um, public in multiple public areas. Haven't we all? Uh, haven't we all? Mm-hmm. So there is clearly some room for improvement, whether that's an issue with this bylaw or the enforcement of it. Uh, but generally in terms of um, a... Uh, overall opinion on this bylaw, I'd say, from what I've seen, it seems reasonably, um, you know, reasonably effective on what it talks about and reasonably clear, but it's just a matter of making sure that uh, all aspects of this bylaw are understood by people that are dog owners, because those are the real people that are going to be using this bylaw or have 
this bylaw affect their lives? And since I'm not, I can't really um, be overly invested in it, but other people should probably have a very good idea of what this bylaw is trying to say. Well, I mean, and I think especially to the listeners of this podcast, I mean, if anyone, you know, has an interest in reading these 12 pages and, you know, coming up with their own opinion, the Dunedin Youth Council would really love to hear your opinion on this bylaw and any bylaws in particular that you think concern um, your others in your local community. Um, Personally, for myself, I think that, I mean, yes, this bylaw, it has done a good job of outlining the responsibilities and um, rights of a dog owner as such. Whether there's room to improvement, that's only my opinion. I think that in a democracy, we all have our opinions that we can bring to the table and, you know, rally the local councillors for. And I think this upcoming election is a really great chance to have your voice and have an input in the say of how... Dunedin is run as a council and as a city. That's probably us for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Oscar, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. I've uh, greatly enjoyed this 12 pages of Dog by Law and the discussion around it. Enlightening. Me too. And I would greatly appreciate to see some Dog by Law memes if that can ever be summarized into one single meme of 12 pages. I I will give it a shot. Um So thank you for listening in today and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You have been listening to The Source on Otago Access Radio. Tune in every Friday at 5pm for the next topic of discussion. This series will also be replayed at 12pm Sundays and 6 on Monday evenings. The Source will also be podcast from www.oar.org.nz. Thank you to the Dunedin Youth Council for making this series possible. Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.